I love it when I, when I see somebody come from the ashes. I remember when Chelsea came into the bridge. Hot mess would be an understatement. She couldn't believe that we believed this. Are you crazy? You believe all that nonsense? Yes. I do. Well, I think you're in a cult. I want to talk to the guys. You know, I want to have fun. You know? But then to watch somebody slow down and surrender and watch God begin to speak to their heart, to watch them change, to watch them grow, you know? When Chelsea came into the program, she told me, and I'm going to share this because, Elena, you reminded me of this, and I want to share something else. She told me there was 0% chance of her having custody of her kids ever again. I said, that's not true. I said, I will promise you 100% completely without knowing anything about your background, if you simply do everything you're asked to do, and you're obedient, that I promise you 100% that your kids will be returned home. So the night before court, the night before court, her attorney called her and said, the, they, they ruled against you, your kids will be removed tomorrow. So we got up at what, 4 o'clock in the morning? And I woke up sicker than I had been in probably 20 years. I was so sick. I could barely walk to the car. I did not want to go to court. And as we got to the courthouse that morning, they asked to meet with Chelsea right before court went in session, and they informed her that they suddenly had a change of heart. Right? Yeah. Suddenly had a change of heart. And that her kids would be going back to her, which they did. So, amen to that, right? But when Elena was up here sharing, it, it touched me, and I'm going to share this, because if you're a parent out there tonight, and you're addicted, and you have children, I want you to know from me, okay, that I was his size when I used to be drugged to AA meetings with my dad, court-ordered, okay? I was his size when I would cry myself to sleep every night, begging God, because my grandma was a believer, begging God to give me a sober dad. My dad was in over 40 programs in my lifetime. He died when I was 42 years old. He was saved, but never sober. So if you're a parent out here tonight, or in here tonight, I can't see hardly at all because it's so... Uh, right up here, but we, we, not, we owe that not only to ourselves to be sober, we owe it to our children, because our children, I promise you, your kids go to bed every night begging for a sober parent, and I remember standing next to my dad at meetings, just like, just like he was, hugging my dad, like, 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 okay, this is it, you know. I never wanted to call my dad at rehab. I never wanted to go visit him at rehab because I was always afraid 
of the bad news. Oh, this place sucks. I hate it. You know what I mean? You know, you have the negative attitude we have. And so if that's you out there tonight, just keep, just keep at it. You know, keep chipping away at it. Keep going day at a time, day by day, because people depend on you, you know. It says in Scripture that the, the sins of the father are passed on to the second and third generation. And I saw that generationally in my family. My grandpa was an alcoholic, and my uncles were, and it just on and on and on, and my brother, and everybody in my family, my, my sisters, everybody. And, but it goes on to say in that scripture in Exodus, it says it's, it's visited to the second and third generations for those who don't love Jesus. So the implication is if you want to break this so-called generational curse and you want to be the one that's going to set your family free from that generational curse, it's pretty simple. We're to follow and love Jesus. Amen? All right. Doesn't get much easier than that. All right. So we are continuing uh, How Strong Is Your Faith? We are part three and uh, thank you very much, Elena, for sharing that. That really, it really touched me. All right. So we're going to continue speaking about, about faith. And, and I'm going to ask you a question. Would God declare you righteous tonight because of your faith in him? Right? Now, let me remind you of this. It doesn't say that we have to have this massive faith, does it? Right? It says, in fact, in Scripture, if you have faith as small as a what? We can muster that, can't we? Right? Right? We can manage a little bit, right? We can give it a heck of a try, can't we? We can take the step in the right direction, Right? We all want to look like a supermodel, or we all want to have a six-pack ab, right? You guys work out every night, right? Uh-huh. All right. But you don't just wake up in the morning looking like a supermodel, or you don't just wake up in the morning with six-pack abs, right? It requires commitment. It requires training. It requires desire. It requires you doing what you say you're going to do. In fact, it's because we are so wishy-washy, it's what keeps the health and beauty industry uh, making so much money, because we're going to keep buying that paste to smack on our face, right? Because we don't want to go out and exercise and eat healthy and, and have that natural, beautiful glow, right? And, if you, if you, and I'm not saying anything about Vanessa's giving me the evil eye. I'm not saying anything about mind makeup. What I'm saying is that... that Gyms depend on us signing up for those memberships, personal training sessions, and then not showing up, right? I've shared with you many, many times. I used to go across the street to InShape and sign up and pay for the membership, and then I would, I would, I would commit, commit to getting healthy. And then I would, I would walk across the street, sometimes drive, like... like <laughs> The, the 47 yards, um, and I would get on the treadmill, but I could see my house from the treadmill. And I'm like on the treadmill going, what's Michelle doing? I bet she's watching TV. 
And I would be like, oh, well, well I'm not just going to run on this treadmill looking at my house. I'm just going to go home. Right? So I didn't believe in myself enough to continue what I was doing. But I tell you, when I met Jesus Christ, I began to believe enough in myself to commit to doing the things that I needed to do so that I, I have four children, okay? I did this, I did all that to my kids that was done to me, you know? They're, they were very proud of their dad as a firefighter paramedic. I used to bring him to the, the hospital. They would get to sit in the helicopter that I worked on and put on the helmets. On Father's Day, they would get to fly from the hospital to the airport next door, and they would get to go to the fire truck and ride on it and squirt water. They were proud of me, right? They weren't proud of me when I was living in the parking lot of this church, right? You know, Dad, why can't we go? Well, you guys are not allowed. I'm not allowed to see you. You can't be in the car with me. I can't drive you anywhere. I can't babysit you. I can't watch you. I can't take you anywhere. But once I begin to develop that faith and that desire and that want to, to not be the same father to my children that my father was to me, I begin to allow that little tiny mustard seed of faith to grow. I didn't wake up in the morning and be all, be all better. I didn't wake up in the morning and say, hey, this is perfect. I, I just struggled at it. I just chipped away at it and chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and, and slid back and just chipped away and failed as a husband, failed as a father, and just kept chipping away at it until your faith begins to grow strong. And you are able to do those things. And those people hit the road. Those places, I'm not going there. Those things, I don't need them. Those things that are going to take me away from the man that I want to be, the father that I want to be, and the husband that I hope to be. See, we have to take these things and we have to, by faith, say, this is where I want to go. And anything that's going to distract me from that needs to go. Because honestly, those people really are not your friends. Those places don't need you. And there's always going to be things, isn't there? Anybody here ever been to a funeral? Right? Has anybody ever seen a U-Haul there? Right? With all your stuff. All that stuff you had to have. All that stuff you robbed and stole and cheated for. There it is. It's in the truck. It's all packed up. They're not going to put it in the hole with you, right? So it's just things. So what really matters is us and our relationships and our friendships and the people that we're involved with. In our, those are the things that matter, those things that we need to nurture, not the things, not the, you know, the next iPhone or the next this or the next that, right? Awesome. Yeah, I do want a new iPhone, but... <laughs> But the, the, it was not my priority anymore. My priority is you guys. My priority is the bridge. My priority is my wife. I remember when you guys first started coming many, many years ago, and you were doing really good, and things just went awfully wrong. And I watched you guys struggle and fight and fight. We want our kids back. We want our kids back. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do... And you know what? You did it. Right? It wasn't easy, 
It didn't happen overnight. It took a really long time. But the commitment that you made is what made it happen. And that's the bottom line. And as we continue in Hebrews, or Hebrews, sorry, Romans to talk about faith, um, I'm going to read our text so that I actually get it all done this time. Because I, did, I, 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 mean, I mean, this is crazy for me, for me because when I, when I got saved, I didn't understand the Bible. I didn't know the Bible. And to say that I love teaching the Bible is an understatement. And I, I, just, I just get so sidetracked because I just want, I, I want to take these 20 plus years of struggles that I had and try to make it easier for you. You know, I don't like to see people struggle and wonder, am I ever going to see my kids again? Am I, is this going to happen? Is this going to change? How is court going to go? And what's going to happen here? It used to kill me watching Chelsea just cry and cry and cry. But I knew. I knew. I told her I was going to tell you. I told her I told you so. And I did. And I never say that in a negative way, but I was so proud that morning to watch her do the things that she did to get what she thought she would never get. And it wasn't the judge, it wasn't the court, it was Jesus Christ, right? Because she became worthy of being that parent once again, you know? And it, it happened, and it was so stinking awesome to watch. So, all right, here we go. We're going to start in verse 15. It says, for the law always Excuse me. For the law always brings punishment to those who try to obey it. Chew on that one for a while. The only way to avoid breaking, the only way to avoid breaking the law, is have no law to break. And I'm not going to need to break that one down for you, because that just sounds like a free for all, doesn't it? <laughs> no more rules. You, Mike said it. We're going to stay up late, eat ice cream, and go for walks. You know, right? Right? Yeah? Mike said there's no more law. It's not what I said. What I said is I'm going to break it down for you. Verse 16, so the promise received by faith is given as a free gift, and we are all certain, we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, so whether or not we follow all of the rules. Who's good at following all the rules? No, not me. You know, when I'm on a long drive, I want to get there, right? So that, that 70 sign on the freeway, that is a suggestion, right? I'm in California, so the stop sign means, you've heard of a California stop? They wouldn't have named it if it wasn't real, right? All right. All right. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is this, that's what scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. And this happened because Abraham believed in, God, in the God who brings the dead back to life and the one who creates things out of nothing. Verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Amen? Right? I lost my thing. 
Abraham, there we Abraham kept on believing and becoming the father of many nations. For God had said to him, how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Right? Abraham never wavered believing that God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. And because Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it, was just, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded and for the benefit uh, to assuring that God also counts us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, and he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So now, you're going to be the father, Abraham, you're going to be the father of all nations. Well, great, Lord, my, my, my old lady is really old, right, right? It said her womb was as good as dead, right? I'm really old, right? So if we have no children, how are we? But he didn't ask that. My wife is way past childbearing age. I am way past childbearing age. But we are going to be the parents of everybody in the world. We are, our, our descendants are going to be more numerable than the sands of the sea, than the stars of the sky. Okay, I believe it's going to happen, All right? That's tough, right? That's tough. It's believing in something bad enough to know that God's going to make it happen, okay? I remember the day when, a, when I was in the hospital after my stroke, a, a, a doctor came in and sat down with me and said, we want some realistic goals from you. I said, okay, realistic goals. Uh, number one, I'm going to walk again. In fact, I'm going to run again. And maybe someday I will drive again. And so the doctor politely nodded. And then about an hour later, another doctor came in with a pill cup and handed it to me. And I said, what are these? And she very politely said, these are antidepressants. I said, for what? She said, because your doctor believes that your things that you hope to do are so far out of line with what is actually, you're actually going to be able to do that you need to start to face reality. And the reality is those things are not going to happen. You, you're not going to walk again. They already, they already ordered my custom wheelchair, right? I told Michelle to find me like a custom van with a lift on it, right? So your wheelchair's been ordered. Um, you're not, you're, so you're not, your license is going to be revoked for the rest of your life. You're never, you're going to be on Social Security for the rest of your life. Get used to it. Right? So. Heck no. 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 No, it's not going to happen. So I believed by faith that No. No, it's not. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's not. It's no. 
So I would love to find that doctor and say, not only am I driving, some people don't call it driving, but I call it driving. Um, I, I'm making the car move down the road, right? Um, I would love to say I ran five marathons, right? But God simply calls us to believe, right? And I believed that if I believe in God and follow all of his commandments to the best that I can and do whatever he asked me to do, I believed by faith that I would walk, I would work, I would drive, and I would be able to to restore my marriage, that I would be able to have my children back in my life, that I would be able to begin to get back the respect of those people who I had destroyed. And so, and I'm just one of so many stories. I mean, we have, I mean, I'm looking out and seeing so many people that that has happened for. And it's by faith, because they believed, and their faith was counted as righteousness. And they were able to do that. The law, you guys, was simply, and I'll go back and explain that for as much time as I have, because I don't, you know, I don't, want, that, I don't want that whole section to be uh, totally misconstrued, <laughs> right? Because the law was simply put there to show us that we cannot follow rules, right? That's what it was put there for, Right? To show us that aside from God, we are incapable of following the rules. Because we think things are so much easier than they are, right? Don't we? Oh, I can do that. I, I would challenge all of you here tonight to wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm going to follow every, every rule there is. I'm not going to get angry at anybody. I'm not going to think negatively about anybody. I'm not going to get impatient. I'm going to obey every rule, every law, every commandment of God. And if you get to noon, call me, <laughs> right? Think about it. Because when, when, when Jesus is saying, when Jesus said, thou shalt not commit murder, we all say, well, I've never committed murder. But Jesus is pretty smart. He goes on to say, if you've ever called somebody an empty head, or if you've called somebody stupid, you have indeed committed murder, right? You have, you have destroyed, you have cut them down from the person that I have made them to be. You have insulted them, right? So I'm going to raise my hand first. I have called somebody stupid before, right? <laughs> I remember the very first time I did it, I was reprimanding like one of the very first bridge guys ever. And I said, are you stupid? And Michelle said, you can't say that. Oh, yes, I can. I'm in charge. Um, <laughs> but I had to learn to think of other ways to say the same thing. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is, 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 is it shows that we are incapable. There's a great verse that actually Tommy pointed out to me in Galatians today. Uh, uh, chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 20. It says, before the way of faith in Christ was available, 
to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept, kept in protective custody as so not to speak until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as a guardian. And what he is talking about is that that law was put there to show us, like, yeah, I got to, these are the rules that I need to kind of follow. I'm not going to do very good at it, but at least it was kind of a, kind of a generalized don't do list, right? Until, and we were protected until what? Until the crucifixion, right? Because when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, what was finished? The old way was finished. The old covenant was finished. Because prior to that statement, the only way we had access to God was to go to the high priest, right? And, and, and really, think about it. If that was still the way, I mean, come on. How many of us in here are procrastinators? Yeah, right? Oh, I meant to go talk to the high priest. Oh, I meant to go talk to the high priest. Oh, maybe tomorrow. Oh, next. For me, it would be on my to-do list for years, right? Be one of those things I never quite made it to the high priest. And then if I got, suddenly I got sick and I'm like, oh, this is horrible. I can't confess my sins because, you know, it's too late. So, but once Jesus Christ gave up his, his spirit on the cross, the, it says the veil was torn from top to bottom, giving us all access to the new covenant, which simply means by faith, we simply must believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. And like I said last week, it's not, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but it's not going to be a, a, a really boring sermon that lasts 60 billion years, right? Because, I mean, longer than that, because eternity is really long, right? We can't even find the edge of space. So how do we even know how long eternity is? We don't, because it's eternal. So... I can only imagine if you're going to spend that long somewhere, it's got to be pretty cool, right? Right? I mean, think about how cool Disneyland is, and you only spend a day there, right? And, I, and I'm not trying to compare, like, be flippant and compare heaven to Disneyland, but what I'm saying is it's got to be pretty cool. There's got to be a lot. It, like, when we're sitting out here before Regent and people come early, I love sitting out there and fellowshipping and talking and how was your day and what are you doing and tell me what's going on and, you know... People are telling stories about their kids or their family. I love doing that. You know, sometimes you get kind of sidetracked and like, oh, it's time to go in. You know, so I can only imagine that eternity is going to be just that fellowshipping, that hanging out, that fun, that breaking bread, and just being with those that we love. And being happy that we somehow decided to cut those people, places, and things out of our life. We decided to be that man or woman that God has called us to be. See, God didn't call us to be addicts, okay? He did not. God did not call us to be losers. God did not call us to be separated from those that we love and that love us. We made those decisions all on our own. It grieves God's hearts to see families broken. It grieves the hearts 
of our, of our families, right, to see is broken. You know, every time I drop my dad off at rehab for like, I, I knew the phone was going to ring. He left. I knew it. it. And he never, he never let me down. Not once. Never did he let me down. He left every single time. So, he, at least he did that, right? He did something consistently, right? But, I mean, when that's all you have, I mean, you know, you, you know because, you know, all we really want in our life is consistency, but we want people that consistently love us, consistently treat us right, consistently set good examples for us. That's what we want. But if that's what we want, that's what we also need to do. That's what we also need to be, right? We need to be those people that God has called us to be. And we can simply, and if that's you, and, you know, you can simply by saying, you know what, today I'm going to plant that seed, that little bitty seed of faith, and I'm going to let it begin to take root. I'm going to allow people to encourage me. I'm going to allow people to love on me. I'm going to allow myself to be vulnerable right? And I'm going to be who God has called me to be. And I'm going to be happy. And I'm going to have fun. And I'm going to get a job. And I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to pay my bills. And I'm going to do all the things that I always said that I wanted to do. Because it's never too late, right? It's never too late. You can go back and do anything you want to do. It's not too late to go back to school, right? It's not too late to get that job that you wanted. It's not too late to be the parent you wanted or the husband you wanted or the wife you wanted or the, the aunt or the uncle or the niece. Or the, it's not too late. It's never too late. The only time it is too late is when you take that last breath, right? You don't think I was bummed the night I got the call my dad died and I went to his apartment the next day and found beer in his fridge, right? You don't think I was bummed? Of course, I was devastated, Right? But, Dad, here's your Bible. I mean, I picked up his Bible, and it was highlighted just front to back. I'm like, but you're, like, reading it, but you're not doing it. He talked it, but he wasn't doing it. So it was disappointing, um, to say the least. But I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be my legacy. I don't want to be another amen to what Elena said. I don't want to be just another dead junkie. I don't want to be another statistic with the Monterey County's coroner's office. I don't want to be in another grave that some groundskeeper has to mow, you know, on some lame job he doesn't even like doing. You know, I got to go mow the cemetery, you know. I don't want to be that person. I don't. I want to be a person that is responsible, that planted that seed of faith, that allowed it to grow, and that God blessed abundantly. And that's what I want for all of you, right? And that's what I, I believe by faith for all of you. I do. I believe that. You know, Chelsea used to say, well, how do you know? And I would, well, I would say, I know, right? I know. I promise you. How could I promise her that? Right? Because I had faith that that would happen. She didn't, but I did. So I believe by faith, not because of anything that I did, but I believe by faith that God returned her children because she was faithful. Amen?
So I'm going to invite Bob to come back up. So Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word of hope. Thank you for Elena's message of hope. And thank you for her family being restored. I know that she's planning her wedding. Um, amen to that. Yes. Right here at this very church. It was so cool. I saw her meeting the other day with Heather planning all the little stuff. And I was like, that is so cool to see them. Originally, when I met them, I think you guys were at Genesis House, right? And to watch them come here and go through all their struggles and to gain victory and get their family back and planning their wedding, it was like, oh, man, it makes everything worth it. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you for them. Thank you for her testimony. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.